Girls Were Also Tough 100 Years Ago. This is episode 19 on John Sanders' Parables for Entrepreneurs podcast. Written in podcasts for entrepreneurs, corporate management, and investors, John D. Sanders expands on his philosophies of making companies attractive for outside capital, why to do it, how to do it, when to do it, how to promote it, and what to do with it. Visit johnsanders.com for more insights, articles, stories, and be sure to catch this podcast anywhere you get your audio. Good morning, John Sanders. How are you? I am terrific, Mr. John B., and I take it you are also. Yep, I am. Life is good. I'm looking out on the ocean. It's still throwing waves at our beach. Yeah, is it overcast or foggy? No, it's pretty well well gone. It's still, you could tell it's been there, but it's pretty well gone. Sun is bright on the waves. They're white caps. Nice. Nice. So your subject today is girls were also tough 100 years ago. How would you know? You're not that old. I'll tell you, my topic is based on my mother and my mother-in-law both of whom graduated college 100 years ago. Oh, really? Oh, this yeah. is fascinating. And it's, it's fascinating, and I, as the more I thought about it, the more they have affected me, of course, especially my mom, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, in some of my thoughts and attitudes and actions and so forth. They were tough girls. They were and, tough girls. Uh, ahead, I won't say ahead of their time, but in some sense they were. Mm. Uh, and uh, my mother went to Georgetown College in Kentucky and ultimately became a trustee of the school later on in life, obviously. Really? And uh, uh, it was a Baptist uh, school, Southern Baptist, of course, in the time. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is today, but it's still around. And, um, uh, you know, most of the Baptist schools have kind of dwindled down their religious aspect. But, hey, Baylor University is a Baptist school, and they just won the NCAA men's yep. tournament. When I was growing up, I was big time the Baylor. So they've sort of the, their Baptist nature has sort of drifted away a little bit. But yeah. in any case, my mom uh, grew up in Kentucky and uh, was born in in Larue County on uh, about twenty miles from her great 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 grandfather's farm where Abraham Lincoln was born. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and in fact, you go to the Lincoln farm, and that's uh, was his property a hundred years or. 200 years ago. I don't know, whatever it was. Yeah. I guess it's at least 200 years because he had to get Lincoln there. And uh, and he's been around. He's been almost 200 years. So, uh, uh, but she, then, then her family moved to Louisville, where mm-hmm. I was born. And she went to Louisville Girls High School and then on to Georgetown College. And mm-hmm. she majored in mathematics, which girls didn't do 100 years ago. So when she uh, graduated, she taught school and ultimately in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, a suburb of Louisville, about 40 miles outside. And that's where she met my dad, who was a highway engineer. And he was uh, the district the, uh, district manager for the Kentucky State Highway Department. Mm-hmm. And they built roads where there wasn't roads. <laughs> <laughs> there weren't roads in the 1920s in Kentucky. There were some old dirt roads and so forth. And he had a, when I was growing up, he had a thousand stories about the farmers he dealt with and how he built the roads. And, and uh, one of the best ones, I got to get off on my dad a little bit, but one of the best ones was he was a highway engineer building US 60 going from Louisville to Frankfurt, to Lexington ultimately. And they got to the county line of, of Jefferson County into Shelby County. And uh, 
the the differential in the road was about eight feet from Jefferson County line to the Shelby County line. So he was not supposed to go over the line. Yeah. So uh, what he did was he moved the line. <laughs> he, he took the post the- and moved the line <laughs> back about the whole 20 yards or so, 30 yards, planted it down there, and then he had the road smooth. So many years later, when the, they built the Brentwood Brent Lawn trotting track there, <clears throat> and it was right on the line, it's, it it's, uh, uh, went on both sides. And so they came to getting the liquor license, mm. and their and their uh, and their bar was in the wrong county. All right, Shelby mm. County was dry, Jefferson County was wet, and therefore they couldn't get a license. And I don't know who, how the story goes. Obviously, it's a long time ago. And uh, so the man across the street, Bischoff, who happened to be my law and surveying teacher in high school, said, "There's one person you call, Wallace Sanders." who was director of works at City Oil at the time. And he can give you the story and solve your problem. And so they got to him and he said, well, I have to admit, I moved the county line 40 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> and if you go back to the records, the county line is where you think it is, right in the center, right on, and your bar is actually on the right county. And he got them their liquor license. Wow, wow. <laughs> my, my dad, when he, when he went to get something done, it got done. Yeah. yeah. Damn the torpedoes full steel ahead. Yeah. Anyway, my mom taught uh, uh, taught uh, uh, mathematics in Shepherdsville, uh-huh. and the two of them, it was interesting. My dad was Jewish, my mother Southern Baptist. Those two didn't meet very often, right? Even though the Jews are background to the Baptist, obviously, but uh, they had they had the same viewpoints of life. And my dad's family and my mother's family got along famously. So what was the viewpoint that was similar? The treatment of human beings and how you deal with life and what your attitudes are in life and what your goals are and how you, and how you treat people along the way. There was absolutely no difference. And uh, you could put them in a setting and, and conversation, you couldn't tell the difference. Mm. So I grew up in that, in that environment of dealing with people on the basis that they want to be dealt with. Mm. And, uh, but I, I respected my mom all the way through. She was tough. She, she'd set her mind to things. And, and all the years I grew up, there was never a crossword from her. Never a crossword. Mm. Now, part of it was because I was a good boy, I'm sure. But, uh, uh <laughs> and my is that, brother. Is that your, is that your end of it or hers? Would have been hers? You I'm think? sure she thought I was good. We treated her well in later years, too. Nice. And, you know, what's interesting is another thing. Right after the war, uh, a young man that had grown up in our neighborhood was an orphan, and he stayed with a Baptist preacher that lived about three or four blocks away and would come by our house and got to know my mother and dad, and my mother and dad got to know him. Then he went off to the Navy in World War II. Came back after the war, or he got, he got my dad got a call from him late one night, and Steve said, Mr. Sanders, I'm out in Wyoming at one of my Navy buddies' place. And he says, I'm out of money, don't have any money, and I've got 30 days to join the Navy back again and get my rank or lose it forever. I don't know what to do. And my dad said, well, why don't you just come stay with us for a while? And so he came and he lived with us for five years. And my dad got him to get his trade school, uh, his uh, uh, electrician's license through the trade school, through the uh, technical school there. 
Mm -hmm. He said he got him to Campbellsville College, which was another Baptist two-year college. He met his wife there, his first wife. She died suddenly later. But um, And he had his daughter during that time. He wasn't living with us at the time. But while the first wife, whose daughter, who is absolutely fantastic, who has three, two, three children and 13 grandchildren, <laughs> she's something else. And uh, I come from a good family, let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. So uh, the uh, – but they recognized each other's. Even though my dad weighed three hundred pounds and my wife, my mom weighed one hundred and twenty, so, <laughs> but uh, and she was five seven, he was five eight, so they were pretty much the same height. Yeah. So life was good. Uh, we grew up in a middle class neighborhood. In fact, that everything was middle class. There was no rich. There I know no it was a very strong middle class back then. Right. Yeah, the, the, the rich folks were in the other end of town where the golf course was, and. Um, uh, so Steve, Steve. Ultimately, what's interesting is ultimately when my parents got older and and started having real mental problems and so forth, my they went to stay with Steve and lived with him for about two years, because my brother was in Iowa and I was in Washington D.C. So we weren't close by. And you know what I thought about? What goes around comes around. He paid him back for taking care of him when he did, because he changed. They changed his life, and. Mm. Uh, he wanted to pay him back. It was, good. it was interesting thing. Now let me tell you about my mother-in-law. People joke about getting along with their mother-in-laws. I got along with my in-laws absolutely famously. My father-in-law was a peach grower in the center of North Carolina in the Sandlands where nothing else grew but peaches. He told me one, oh, I'll tell you that story later. So, um, <laughs> and uh, she went to, she grew up on a little farm in Eastern North Carolina. The Sandlands was in the central near Pine, what is Pinehurst, the Gulf Gulf Territory there. In, yep, in I know Pinehurst. Been there actually. My wife was one of the first babies born in the Pinehurst Hospital back when it was owned by the Yankees, and wow. uh, uh, not a hundred years ago, but eighty years ago. So uh, the um, I don't think I'm old until I realize I got an eighty-year-old wife. <laughs> so oh, yeah, but you guys are really you guys are really young at heart. We are. We are having a ball. And uh, just took a golf lesson yesterday, and I can't wait to get on that course this afternoon and try it out. Um, but So she grew up in a small, uh, on a small farm in eastern North Carolina, in the, truly in the sticks, and went to college at Meredith College, now Meredith University, of course, in Raleigh, which at mm. the time was a Baptist girls' school. After she graduated, I think she majored in, she got her teaching, everybody got a teaching certificate. She got that, and she also was did stuff in textiles. She loved sewing and working with uh, materials. And she went off to graduate school in New York City to Columbia, central New York City. Country girl from North Carolina. Tough. Wow. Yeah. And got her master's degree there, then came back to Raleigh and opened a modiste. M-O-D-I-S-T-E. I have no idea what that is. It's a woman's haberdashery. Oh. <laughs> it's wow. a French term. French yeah. term for women's haberdashery. And she was doing well until the Depression came along in the late, in the 1930, 2930, and mm -hmm. put her out of business. Just there was nobody buying. So she went back to her teaching and got a job in Cander, North Carolina, about 20 miles from Pinehurst, where, my, where she met my father-in-law, and they married. And my wife and her two sisters were born there and grew up there. Mm. 
But Mrs. Ewing was tough, and she, you know, they worked the peach, peaches. She had to work the peach, uh, the, the stand, selling peaches on the highway. My wife grew up doing that stuff with her sisters, working the peach stand. And he was a very successful peach grower. What's interesting, later on he sold some land to a company that wanted to build a uh, golf course and resort community mm-hmm. about uh, near West 10, about 10 miles from Panhurst, about halfway to um, 10 miles from Canner, about halfway to Pinehurst. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been 10 miles from Pinehurst too. So um, uh, they came to him and said, because his land separated their property from the main road, and mm-hmm. also the entrance road came through his property. So they had to own that land. It became a nice little shopping center, but they wanted to own that to separate, so that they didn't have problems between them and the road. And they came to him and said, "Okay, we want to buy it." And he, the peaches had died out, so he wasn't. Uh, there was no. Um, uh, he wasn't growing on the property. Doesn't do anything with the land. And uh, what's out? What the books on the shelf behind you there, John? Well, boy, we just chunk sideways. One is a book by Brene Brown called "Dare to Lead." Yeah. The book on the other side is uh, Donald Miller's Building a Story Brand. Yeah, and then that's an award in the center. In the Yeah, it's the award in the, in the center for my 2020 Champion of the Year. The highest award given to anybody at the Carlsbad Chamber of Commerce. Well, that's pretty good. I'm impressed. Yeah. Pleasure so, doing business with you. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, they came to him and they agreed on a price. I don't know what it was, $2,000 an acre, 1000 whatever it was. And then they said, so what kind of terms have we got? He said, terms? It's cash. It's the only way I deal. He never owned a credit card. Of course, they didn't do it those days so much anyway. Cash in, cash out. That was his business. Mm. And uh, so ultimately agreed that on whatever the price was per acre, 2000 whatever it was. This was like 1967 or so. I was just new to the family. We married in 67. So uh, uh, he said, all right, here's what you do. You've got to, for this year your price is eighteen hundred, whatever it is. Buy all the land you wanted, eighteen hundred dollars an acre. Next year we'll settle on another price. And we, when you got money, come and buy land. And it took them about three years, but they bought all the two hundred and something acres. So it was a good deal. It put Mr. Ewing with real cash in his pocket for the first time. So Love it. But it's interesting how hard they worked. Yeah. And my mother and dad, my dad was a, he was a city employee for most of the years after he left the highway department. In fact, during mm-hmm. World War II, he worked for a private company, and he was a chief engineer on the uh, synthetic rubber plant in West Louisville. And the use synthetic rubber in World War II was big because you couldn't yes. get all the rubber, you know? Right. So he was a chief engineer on that. And then he went to work for the city and stayed with the city for 16 years. All the years I was growing up, he was a director of public works and chief engineer for Louisville. Built the flood wall, built sewers, roads, you name it. He knew And all he had to do is move a few county lines to get some things done. <laughs> There's one story <laughs> yeah. where he was going the Cherokee Park, which is the big park in Louisville. US 60 came in from the east, from Lexington, and cut through right around Cherokee Park, a little right at the tip, went down this little tip and came back and went all the way through the city. And... Uh, he said, that's ridiculous to force that to go around. He said, we're just going to cut a road right through it. Well, that was the prime property in Louisville. And the mm-hmm. neighbors all objected to, to doing that. And the, 
And so he decided it had to be done. He couldn't keep that having to force all those roads go down that little tip. And he said, we could take that tip and put a tot pod there, put the playgrounds. So one, uh, one week, he lined up the chief judge of the city and said, all right, I'm going to do this. I don't want you in the office Monday morning in the, in the courtroom because they're all going to come in screaming, get an injunction. If you're not around, you don't have to deal with it. And so, so he lined up all the, the equipment up the, road, up the streets on both sides away from the property. And on Saturday morning, they, they came roaring through, cut the, cut the land through, put the, put the curbs in, the sidewalk, put the asphalt in. The road was done by Monday morning when all the neighbors went into the judge. He says, oh, what do you want from me? When they got to him, the road's done. There's no injunction. <laughs> it's completed. <laughs> it can't stop something that's been yeah. done. Yeah. So, well, like uh, you that, said, he, he was just like a get it done kind of guy. Get it done. Is it, this is right. This is what ought to be done. Yeah. Get it done. So they went to the mayor. And the mayor, who was Farnsley, what a character, said, I'm not going to get in the middle when Mr. Sanders says something ought to be done. I'm not going to challenge him. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's the kind of guy he was. It's kind of it's kind of purple people I grew up with and my I had great respect for women and women in business and women in whatever they want to do and you still uh, do John oh I've got of my seven investments in Carlsbad area four of them are women yeah yeah good ones too yeah they are yeah they are well you know my philosophy on women because when I had to ran a newspaper in DC let's see we sold it uh, 1996 what 25 years ago headed for 10 years and I was a chairman and CEO and the major shareholder, not at the beginning, but, but when it was over. Uh, I kept buying more shares and we issued more and so forth. I put a lot of money into it for my day. and uh, But I loved it. God, it's fun. The newspaper is fantastic. No wonder Jeff Bezos bought a newspaper. Oh, yeah. Wall Street. Yeah. It's still, it's still uh, you know, that, that uh, the old statement, never argue with someone who buys ink by the barrel. I've never heard that, but I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, in any case, uh, I hired mostly for my salespeople for advertising. I tried to hire uh, women, girls. Uh-huh. Oh, they were in their generally late 20s, early 30s. Attractive, not beautiful, attractive. So when they met somebody, he wanted to talk to them, you know. Yeah. But I also felt the following. I said, when they deal with women... Women want to support women, so they have much, have much higher opportunity of getting the business woman to woman. And men want to be mothered because they mm-hmm. remember their mother. And I always used to tell these young ladies, I'd say, listen, when you go and this guy ought to buy an ad, you don't ask him for the ad. You tell him this is what you ought to do. Yes. And I said, the odds are he will agree with you. Yes. Because he remembers his mother telling him what, <laughs> what he ought yeah. to do. Yeah, listen and obey. So this, uh, you kind of wanted to do this when we started talking about doing this episode. You were talking about Mother's Day, which is May 9th, and today is actually April 9th. So we're clearly a month ahead on it, but we'll still get it out there, you know? Well, you know, here at Carlsbad by the Sea, our new activities director has come to me. He says, we want to do these videos about your mother for Mother's Day and have Ah. a series of them here. I said, I don't want to do that. Forget it. And then I got thinking about when you said about doing a, a podcast this morning. I said, you know what I'll do? I'll just combine the two things and I'll do my preparation for that little segment by doing the podcast. 
Yeah, good. Well, this is video recording. It's going to be on the audio podcast, but it's also going to be on YouTube. Good. Well, so, I'll just I'll yeah, send it to them and they can edit it out. How long have we been running? 19 minutes? 19 minutes and 33 seconds. That's long enough. I'm sure they'll want about a five-minute segment. Okay, well, I can do it can, that. Yeah, well, they can show whatever portion they want. Yeah, I, I could do five minutes. We, we yep. rambled a little bit. Yep. As we yep. usually do. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Okay, good. Do you want to redo a five minute section after, after no, this? No, I'll just let, because they're going to record it. I'll do it with them. Okay, good. Well, great, John. What are you doing this weekend? Let me guess. Golf? This afternoon. Uh huh. And uh, with my wife and uh, a good friend who's, who's had his tea time and his partner's dropped out, so we dropped in. Tomorrow nice. I have nothing. I'll probably watch the Masters. Yep. And um, on Sunday we have a tea time, and I have invited our golf pro to go with us and play. So I don't know whether she's going to do it or not. If not, I'll get my daughter-in-law and son to go with us. So, John, what do you think of this thing about Tiger Woods crashing his car into the tree or whatever at 85 miles an hour in a 45-mile-an-hour zone? What's your well, take you know, on the interesting Tiger? Thing the- he he just seems out of control. Is that is well? That my right? daughter and her husband live about uh, half a mile from that spot in wow. Palos Verdes, Rancho Palos Verdes, and they said you're coming down that hill. You lose control on. You can't not go fast coming down that hill. Uh-huh. And if you're not if you're not used to it, you will speed. Period. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be very careful not to speed coming down there mm-hmm. and make and making those turns. They're very tough. And if you're going over whatever the mileage is, I don't think I don't think this. I think the, I think the speed limit's like forty or forty-five. It was uh, posted forty-five where yeah, where he yeah. was, and that's too fast. It's mm. just tough. So it's yep. a winding. If you've been up around the Palace Verdes, around that road, everything it's going around the sure. hill and winding. Yep. And it's a section that goes straight down and. So he uh, just uh, never put his foot on the brake and kept never going. Never put his and, foot on the brake and lost control. Lost yeah. control. That's I don't know. I think I think he's at the point now where coming back this time is probably impossible. But they said that yeah. last time too. So, yeah, uh, he's an amazing young young man. He's forty seven, I think now, isn't he? He's I, he, I, yeah, uh, thereabouts. I don't actually don't know. That's but the that tail end of right. golfing uh, powers. Right, right. right. So uh, uh, anyway, I never was a long hitter, but my my golf pro, who's a woman, by the way. Got me doing some stuff yesterday in the thing that I'm excited about changing. Very simple changes, but they brought some real long distance and confidence to me. What kind of change did she have you do? Believe it or not, the first thing golf pros do, they get your grip. Where's, mm-hmm. where's the thing? Change my grip. Get me a, hard, a stronger grip. A stronger and then, grip. And then, you know, you ever watch, you watch golf at all? I do, Ju- sometimes. Justin yeah. Thomas, you see Justin yeah. Thomas bring his club back? She said, do that because that gets you in the attitude of moving your shoulders. Mm. Because if you just start with your arms, you're in trouble. So yeah. get that first move, and that'll do it. And then you got to pull through, and you got to bring the follow-through on a route. Yeah. So it's uh, basic stuff. We all know it. There's I know. Good for it. you. It's like I'm sitting here going, how does this apply to life? Well, it kind of does. It's like what you're. it sounds like what you're saying is put your whole body into it, at least your shoulders. If, you're, if you want to be a winner, you can. You got to put everything into it. Yeah, I I get it. That's been, yep, I get it, get it. All right, John. Well, have a great weekend. Same to you. What are you doing? Anything special? Uh, you know, I worked most of last weekend, and uh, 
and it was a problem this week because it was just, you know, Sam and I both worked uh, the weekend last weekend, and I saw him yesterday, and I just said, no more weekends. It, it's we just really need some rest because this week was really challenging trying to get stuff done because we're so tired. Got to have a weekend off, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So right. it's for me, it's going to be a beach walk. There you go. Come by our place tomorrow. I may. I may. I'll let go you know. If I... up. Give, give me a call on a cell phone. I'll invite you in. We'll have a drink. Take care. You too. Bye.